Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. You're listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Covering Mississippi State sports like nobody else. Sports Talk Mississippi's Brian Haydad, along with Joel Coleman of Sports Illustrated's Cowbell Corner, give you an inside look at the Bulldogs on the field, the court, and the diamond. Now, get ready for Thunder and Lightning. This is Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. Brian Haydad and Robbie Falk here with me on a second day. Oh! All right, I like that one too. Uh, thanks for listening here at supertalk.fm or wherever it is you get podcasts from. We appreciate all our great listeners, especially our service men and women out there taking care of us. We want to thank our sponsors, uh, Strange Brew Coffeehouse and Churn and Spoon Ice Cream. You know they're always open for you, especially now, you know, school's gotten started back up. People are going to school. People are going to work. It's time to hit those places up and get yourself that after, that morning uh, shot of confidence that you need to get through the day. So check them out over there at University Drive or on Highway 12. And, of course, if you're in Tupelo, they've got Brupolo. CollegeCornerStore.com. That's the place where you're going to get 30% off all of your gift card purchases. Just log in to CollegeCornerStore.com. Buy a gift card, 30% off, and then you get to look at their incredible selection of MSU merchandise. They've got two locations to serve you. They're in, Jack- in the Jackson area. They're in Ridgeland by Fleet Feet. They're in Flowood by The Half Shell. Or you can shop online at collegecornerstore.com. Advantage Business Systems wants your business running for you, not you running your business. So please give them a call today and find out how they can give you a, a hand. 45 years of experience here in the Magnolia State working with businesses just like yours. They've got solutions that can keep you going. 844-833-6245 or visit them online at absms.com and find out how Advantage Business Systems helps your business do business. All right, Robbie, glad to have you back for a second day. We good some, to be here. Some good feedback. Yeah, I, I noticed a few people liked uh, the show yesterday, which is more than the people that uh, liked my shows I used to be on at <laughs> the other network, but... Um, Glad we could fill in for Joel. I'm really excited for Joel to have a, a girl in his yeah, hands. Yeah, that that's a done deal. If you didn't see yesterday on Twitter, Chloe Kate Coleman is among the living. She is here with us. Mama and baby are seem to be doing well. We don't know about daddy, but we'll, he'll, he'll get through it. Katie need to even the odds a little bit. Oh, yeah, yeah. She was way outnumbered there. I mean, she's still in control of the household. I, have, I feel and confident. You, you have a daughter. Yes. And you know, one daughter is sort of worth two sons when it comes to opinions. Right. Well, say, uh, I, you know, I, I've, I said whenever my wife got pregnant a couple years ago that I, I really did not want a girl. I wanted a boy. And my heart was set on a boy, a boy. When I found out it was a girl, my opinion changed. And now I don't know if I want a boy because I don't want another one of me. That that is a that is a legit concern. Yeah, no, the world for, doesn't for need, many people. The world doesn't need another one of you. No, or me. I'm not going to lie and say that I'm somebody that the world needs a replica of. There's a good thing you had two girls and I have a girl. Yeah. Because I don't think that the world could handle another one of us. No. The, the guys who have boys, those are the ones that we need to have boys. Right. Joel's yeah. a good person. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I am not. Me, me, I, me I, and you I, are I, not. I, 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 would, I would agree with you on that. All right. We got a lot to talk about today. Well, since Robbie's here, I definitely want to pick his brain on some recruiting stuff uh, before we let him out of here. We got to talk about Nick Mitchell committing. You know what that's going to bring a little later in the show. But we've got another positional breakdown, and it's my favorite one, obviously, the offensive line. This should be just starting five. This should be MSU's best offensive line in quite a while, I would think. Very talented um, 
and and you know you look at you go back and look at some of those guys and their rankings and and a, a lot of their offers it's it's really um, remarkable that the state's been able to to start pulling in some of these big time offensive linemen because in the past you know when John, when John Hevesy was here there was always a concern but he always got the best out of that line well now you're starting to pull in guys that other power five schools want and that's that's what you want in the SEC and I, I really like this group it, what's really interesting to me and I asked Dollar Bill Quatrivius Johnson this the other night is what it's like just competing whenever you know that Mason Miller wants the best five on the field because there's, it's one thing to compete with people at your position when you have three or four guys there. But when you're competing and you know that Mason Miller is going to pick out the best five and and place them you know, wherever we've seen right. guys move from tackle to guard and vice versa, right. you're having to, to watch your back a little more because you're having guards come in that, that would be competing with a tackle and tackles come in competing for guards. So it makes the competition level even better, and I think that that's going to make Mississippi State's offensive line better. And, you know, the way this offense works, you're going to see a lot of guys that would normally play a tackle, play guard, and and vice versa. I'm I'm really excited to see how how that plays out. But, um, you know, the one constant that that we've heard so far is Charles Cross at left tackle. And that's what I was going to say. Like, for all the talk of switching positions, one guy I don't see switching positions is Charles Cross. State's first five-star Offensive lineman since I don't literally don't remember ever when. I think maybe maybe ever and a guy that you know you, if you've ever listened to the show you know my position on five star kids if they're not locked into the starting lineup by their second year on campus they're a bust Charles Cross appears to not only be doing that but he appears to be drawing some pretty rave reviews what have you heard about his performance this fall yeah I mean all the way back during their uh, midnight maneuvers back during the early spring when they were going through workouts. He was a guy that Mason Miller and, and the coaches were talking about as, you know, an alpha. Mm-hmm. And whenever you start hearing that about a guy, um, it, it gets you pretty excited. Five-star recruit, you know, a lot of people wondered if that if that was legit when, they, when yeah. he redshirted last year. But everybody in our industry, especially at 24-7, loves this kid. They saw him at the, at the All-American game and, and practices there. He was really, really impressive. Comes in pretty thin for a left tackle. Yes, but he has unusual reach. When you look at his arms on on the field, that that's kind of what sets him apart from from other people. And now he's starting to inch closer to three hundred pounds and and put on some good weight. He's starting to kind of form into that five star that that everybody thought he could be. And when that ranking was put on him, it wasn't put on him with the expectation of he's an immediate impact player. It was put on him with the expectation that he's a first or second round draft pick. Um, Because that's what the five stars, that's how we rate five stars at 24-7 Sports. We have 32 five stars, and they're rated based on being first round draft picks. So his progression, or his, I I guess his, where where we feel like he's going to be at 24-7 Sports is a first round draft pick. This is a good start. If he's starting at left tackle his redshirt freshman season in the SEC, that's a good start to living up to the expectations that I agree. we've kind of put on him, and I, you know I think he's handling that really well. The other guy who I'm sort of I'm sort of surprised that he's in the starting lineup or appears, appears to be is Cole Smith. I'll be honest, if we go back to like March when we, we when we were starting to talk about a spring depth chart. I would have had LaQuinston Sharp there at center. Not only is he not at starting, he's not at center apparently anymore. Cole Smith has come in from LSU, a transfer, a guy that a lot of people thought should have been a Bulldog out of high school, Bulldog legacy. Uh, he's he's finally in, he's finally back here in Starkville. 
but appears to have taken control of that center job. Yeah, you know he's got the he's got a great build for that position, and he's kind of locked in his spot there. I mean, I, I, don't, I haven't heard of a whole lot of um, battling going on at center right now, and I was kind of same way as you. I thought LaQuinston Sharp would either would either be at center or guard. Yeah, starting, and, and I'm just not hearing his name. I'm kind of surprised by that. But um, you know, for Cole Smith to to come in and, and handle his business, sit out all of last year, and it, it seems like he's just taking a business like approach, coming in here in year two and, and locking in that center position. That's good. I mean, that that's what you want to hear. You you want to hear that your guy snapping the ball is locked in. That that's one position in left tackle as well that I feel like it, you want to have your guy ready by when fall practice starts. Uh, you, you don't want a whole lot of shuffling going on right there. You want to have a guy that you feel really good about at that position. How do you feel about a six foot eight guard? That see that that's the stuff that I'm really thrilled to, to yeah. see. I want to I want to see chaos. Okay. I, I want to see I want to see a six eight guard. I want to I want to see a small a, a guard that's bigger than the right tackle. That, that's gonna be that's gonna be pretty fun. It might not be for you, but um, you know, moving in Greg Island from from tackle to guard, I think that's a, a good move for him. Um, I don't think he's got the best feet on the on the team for a tackle, but I do think he's a good blocker to to put him on the inside. I think, like we mentioned earlier, getting your best five guys out there, mm-hmm. I think that that allows you to have your most athletic guys playing at these different positions. Island will have started left tackle, right tackle, and right guard now at Mississippi State in his career. I mean, for for an NFL future, that feels like a pretty good thing, you know, to show that kind of versatility. Yeah, I uh, think uh, you know Elton Jenkins did did that in the past. Yeah, and that would be accurate. Yeah, Quentin Salisbury, I think there, there's been guys that have done that, but it doesn't happen often. Guys moving around from tackle to tackle and guard uh, and things like that. So, um, you know, I, I, I'm really interested to see that and how it plays out, but. Um, you know, I don't really know um, what's going to happen with guys like Scott Lashley and Quinston Sharp, who we kind of thought was going to be starting on that offensive line this year. But it looks like Greg Island and and uh, Cole Smith are, are locking in starting positions. And then the reason Island's moving down is that the emergence of Dollar Bill, Quatravius Johnson, guy you just talked about there. And again, another highly recruited guy, um, didn't play much last year as a redshirt freshman. Uh, we don't. We never got the idea. We never got the the confirmation if he was part of the suspensions, because yeah. you know you would have thought he would have been a depth guy last year, but because he wasn't on the two deep, I guess they they never brought him up. Right. Um, so I don't know if that's the case or not. But he seems now as a redshirt sophomore to have broken through, and he'll be that right tackle. Now this is a guy that when he was recruited, I thought, man, for you know, he, he would he signed he signed I guess <sighs> Moorhead's first year. Is that correct? But yeah, would, have, would have committed to Mullen. Yeah, he, he was he was a heavy kid. Yeah, and so you thought, okay, this guy's perfect for Mullen's offense, just a road grader straight ahead. And then, you know, Moorhead's offense, you're like, well, they still run the ball a good bit. And now in Mike Leach's offense, you know, I don't know how he fits, but he seems to be fitting pretty well because he, he seems to have locked up a starting job. Right, and, and this is an extremely athletic kid for his size. I mean, he is—he's a monster, and he's got pretty good feet for a guy his size. He can move pretty well. Um, you know, he could play left tackle or right tackle. I think right tackle is better suited for him, especially with Charles Cross on the other end. But just like you mentioned with Charles Cross, you want these highly rated players on the field and in the mix for starting 
job by their second year on campus. And I think he would have played um, a pretty good bit last year at tackle or you know wherever they needed him. I think he would have played had he not been apparently suspended, which we I mean we can pretty much gather that he he was suspended for most of the season. Uh, now that he's out of that, you know, I asked him about how he dealt with sitting out last year and you know how he's dealing now with coming in this year knowing that he's competing for a starting spot and he really used last year as some fuel for himself and uh mentioned that you know important thing was was getting in the classroom and getting the job done there and he feels like he's translated that over to the field as well so i feel like you got some really talented bookends probably the most talented bookends you've had i can remember yeah i mean you got a five star and then a high high four star guy at your two tackle spots and both of them extremely ta- talented. They're in. A, they're both NFL guys if they stay on the right projection here. And then you know if we we look at uh, the other guy we haven't talked about yet, he's the only guy a returning starter returning at the same position, and that's at left guard with Darian Parker. He's a guy. You know, last year wasn't really sure what to make of him. I thought he played well. I thought the couple games he missed with injury, it was noticeable that he wasn't out there. Yeah, when he went out of the game against ULL early in the year. Excuse me, the University of Louisiana. Yes, get that uh, right. I want to get that correct. You don't want to mess with those people. No. They will come for you. No, the sports information staff is not happy about people using Louisiana Lafayette. True. But um, anyways, um, when he went out of that ball game, State was struggling to, to move the ball as well as they were early in that game. I, I don't think that their offense had enough uh, push up front uh, when he went out. And he he was a guy he's he was a guy that just quietly made his way into the starting um, spot at left guard last year when Darrell Williams moved over and was very productive there and I think that he's a big piece returning because all these other guys are either you know first year starters or first year starters at the position that they're at so for, to have him in there is is key especially to be right beside Cole Smith to try to. Uh, to try to kind of bring him along in the SEC, I, I'm sure he's going to be a a, a a good voice for him inside. So, uh, you know, you look at that offensive line; it's this the starting group is pretty solid. They're they're either really talented or highly touted, or they have played a lot of snaps in the SEC, like Darian Parker and Greg Island have. Both of those guys didn't have a whole lot of fanfare in their recruitment, but they've played a lot of football. And Greg Island was playing as a as a freshman when Martinez went, Rankin went down against Auburn, so he yeah. played left yeah. tackle. I mean, that's a guy that's, that's got a wealth of experience. He's one of the leaders on the offensive line. It's, it's good to have him in there. What about the depth pieces for for this team? The, the, the two names, obviously, we talked about LaQuinston Sharp. That he's definitely going to be a big a big piece as far as depth. The other two guys, I guess, three guys right there in the in the in the middle. James Jackson, Brandon Cunningham, Nick Penley. Who who plays the most out of that group? I like Penley's. Um, I, I, I really like Penley's chances of getting in there and being the second team guy. Yeah, he's and, nasty. Yeah, and, and possibly a swing guy at guard. You could probably put him in at either spot and be okay. Uh, the the couple of games we got to see him play. When you watch back some of those snaps he had, he he's a guy that, like you said, pretty nasty dude. We'll get in there and um, and get in somebody's grill. So I, I like him as, as a starter next year, and I think he's going to get some playing time this year. But um, you know, I'm not real sure about James Jackson. I mean, obviously, if you got if if Cole Smith is doing the job, then yeah. 
then I, I don't see any playing time for him. I, I just never know what to do with James Jackson because he's changed positions, I think, like three times. Well, he, the, they, they messed up with him early on by switching him back and forth. Yeah. He, he, he was a guy that needed to get in a position, and he needed to sit there and learn and develop. And they haven't been able to develop him because Moorhead was moving him back and forth on the two sides of the line, and that didn't do anything for his development and his career. So I think that I think that definitely hurt him and his projection as a player. But he's capable of getting in there if, if something happens to Cole Smith. I think he's capable in getting in there and, and being a good center for him. Uh, Brandon Cunningham is another talented kid that Mississippi State pretty much snuck in here because uh, a lot of teams didn't think he was going to get eligible out of high school and, and get enrolled. But he was able to get in. Did have an academic redshirt his first year. But for State to get him in and, and start developing him, that was big, I think. And then the last guy we haven't talked about, uh, I would have another guy I thought might have ended up being having a starting position is another transfer, Scott Lashley. Another guy that everybody thought was going to be a Bulldog ends up here eventually. Uh, seems to be battling through some injuries right now in, in fall camp, but feels like he might be the first guy off the bench. Yeah, and I think you know he's moved back and forth from what I've heard from guard to, to tackle, and he's backing up uh, cross, I believe, at left tackle right now. He's another player that that they can move around. He can play inside or outside, but uh, again, just another guy that um, you know spent so much time in Alabama on the bench, didn't get a whole lot of playing time. Well, now all these guys ahead of him have been playing SEC football for the last few years, and there's no substitute for actually being in a ball game and and and, and learning the hard way against SEC competition. I think that's what's been big for guys like Greg Island, who is pretty much keeping Lashley off the field right now, um, and and the same way for uh, Dollar Bill. Those, those guys are keeping Lashley off the field. Uh, because they've been in this, you know, they've been here on campus, and they and they've got some continuity with their teammates and things like that. So, you know, I, I always wonder what Scott Lashley's career would be like had he come to Mississippi State initially. Yeah, because I think he's a player that that might have been on the field as a redshirt freshman or a sophomore. Yes, and, and just just I mean, just not being able to get on the field was was a huge it's, deal. It's the same. It's the story we've heard a thousand times when it comes to these Mississippi kids who go to Alabama. You know, highly recruited kids could play at Mississippi State, could play at Ole Miss, but they decided you know they get caught up and they go go to Alabama. And nothing against that. I mean, Scott Lashley's got a national championship ring. You know, he could put Nick Saban down as a reference for the rest of his life. These are good things to have, but the playing time would have it would have been different because I, I mean it's, I remember when Lashley signed and I was like, well, we'll see how that goes. And then the next year, Alabama signs Alex Leatherwood. And Jedrick Wills. Wills was taken in the top ten last year. Leather will be taken in the top ten this year. That's just the way that it goes there. They can't, there's, there's never going to be a year where Alabama's like, well, we're not going to get a couple of five-star tackles this year. Right. So. And, and, and Scott Lashley and Nigel Knott both did that out of the yeah. state of Mississippi. And you know, Mississippi State just felt like a better fit for both of those guys. They, they could have got on the field a lot earlier. Neither one of them really ever played there. Yeah, Nigel Knott now at East Carolina. Yeah, so. I mean, it's just – That's another guy. Like, I'm surprised he didn't transfer here. Cornerback be playing right now. Yeah, he'd be in the starting lineup. But however that goes. So just sort of wrapping up here, I feel like this position is going to be a strength for Mississippi State. I think that Mason Miller and and the the Mike Leach scheme is designed to make even a really not great offensive line look pretty good because they throw the ball quickly, they get the wide splits. But I think this is a talented offensive line. It's anchored by a, a guy I I would like to think is going to be a future NFL star, and they've got. Good guys throughout the middle, versatile guys. They've got some depth. 
there's nothing really not to like here, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I don't think you'll see a whole lot of guys recruited like Dollar Bill and, and Greg Island in the future for this offensive line. Maybe a, maybe a few more Charles Cross type body types and things like that. But um, this group has the ability to protect the quarterback and and do a pretty good job this year. Um, it's, it's just going to be weird not seeing a you know an offensive guard pulling down the field yeah. and and blocking for Colin Hill or or opening up big holes. The the Mississippi State offensive line of the past has been a nasty group that's had to get in the trenches and open up holes for for a running quarterback or a running back. Uh, so this group's going to have to be more of a pass pro unit and. Um, you know the splits are going to be a lot different than what you're used to seeing. They're going to be a lot more spread out on the offensive front. But I, I think that this group, you know, top to bottom, and, and the guys behind them too, there, there's a lot of success probably going to happen this year. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that I think state fans should feel really good about who's protecting KJ Costello this year. I think that they they will do a good job of keeping him upright. All right, let's move on over to recruiting, and that's brought to you by our good friends over at Welcome Home Beef. It's Italian Day. Uh, Thursday. I hope they're continuing that for a couple of days, though. They've got some good stuff going on over at the Welcome Home Beef Food Truck. Meatball subs, lasagna, uh, a lot of uh, of your home-style favorites. I know that if Stephen Agustinelli lived here in town, he would just go park his car there and stay there the rest of the day. <laughs> it's it's going to be that good. I've had the uh, Welcome Home Beef lasagna. It's it's really good. Really good. It's It's got, like, it doesn't have ground beef. It's got, like, stew meat. Just cooked down for hours. Oh, interesting. Oh, it's good. It's good. You should definitely go check it out. And you should go check out that food truck when you get a chance here in the Starkville area. 11 to 1, 6 to 10, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. They're open. And of course, you just want to cook for yourself. Hey, just pop on in, grab a steak, grab some burgers, grab a brisket or some beef ribs. They've got it you're taken care of, whether you're just doing quick cooking or you got all day to work on the grill. Welcome home, beef. They've got you taken care of. 662 268 8148 or visit them online at facebook.com. Slash welcome home beef. Know this, whether you're cooking it or they are, one thing's for sure. It just tastes good. There we go. Let's get into recruiting. All right, MSU flips uh, a three-star linebacker out of Florida, Nick Mitchell from Temple. I know a lot of people are going to say, oh, Temple. Temple's put some linebackers. I think Jeff Collins had some things to do with that, I'm sure. Uh, but they've put some linebackers in the league uh, as of late. This is a guy, you know, not highly rated, obviously, and that's sort of become uh, maybe a concern. Obviously, you know, you know on the message boards that it is. Let me ask you this, and this is a question I've sort of had. How much of this of of the rating of these players has been affected by by the pandemic in terms of a lot of these twenty four seven national guys who do the ratings do the evaluations? There's been no camps. There's been no opportunity to see these guys. So all they have is last year's film or or what they've seen before, and they haven't been able. You know, a guy like Corey Ellington here in the state of Mississippi, he would have gone to the big dog camp when when it happened, and somebody like Barton Simmons or Steve Wolfong or whoever from 24-7 on top of you and Paul and Steve would have all been there, and you could have come together and been like, okay, we've got this guy as like an 84, in reality he's like an 88. Something like that. And that's just a player. I don't know if that would have been the case or not, but am I am I right in thinking these num- some of these numbers seem low because nobody's seeing anyone? Right, absolutely. You have, to go, you have to go on junior film. And another thing you have to take into account is they're not able to go to camps to get offers. 
Right. And in the past, you go to you know Mississippi State, Alabama camp, and these guys go from no offers and no ranking to four star prospects. Right. And I'm not saying that's the case with with these Mississippi State commitments, but it is something to consider that there has there has been no camps to get offers, and there have there has been no camps to be seen by talent evaluators. Right. Uh, and there's no there's there's no updated film yet, mm-hmm. so I, I do think that's that's going to be affected. Um, that's going to affect the classes in terms of rankings. I also think that that's going to affect classes in terms of who you take. Um, there's going to be a lot of kids that that coaches miss on in this class because all they saw were their, was their junior film, right? You know, so um, you know it's just. It's such a weird time, mm-hmm. and I think everybody's dealing with the same thing. Uh, you know, Alabama maybe not as much as the rest of the SEC and the rest of the country because they're still pulling in five star, four star talent every right. week. But uh, Mississippi State is and, and Ole Miss, I think too, with new coaches and no visits and things like that. I, I think this is affecting them the most. And the thing with those elite kids that Alabama and Ohio State are committing is. They get invited to these camps as juniors anyway. You know, it's, I'm talking about, I guess, as, as sophomores becoming juniors. Whereas, you know, if you're not an elite, you know, 10th grader, you're, you're probably not going to these kind of camps to get these kind of evaluations. You, you might go to some camps, but you're not going to the ones where the evaluators are. But the five-star kids, they've seen these kids for, for two, three years now. And that's why they, already, they have the film. Those, those evaluations are probably pretty accurate, and that's why Alabama and those kids are going to line up. But you look at Mississippi State, and you've got – I mean, you've got a ton of guys that are 84, 85 and below, a lot more than Mississippi State would normally have. I feel like in a regular year, most of these guys would be 85, and, and maybe some of them would be above. Yeah, the the guys towards the bottom of the class, some of these defensive players are are players that you just have to wait and see. Yeah. Uh, Trayvon Marshall yeah. from Georgia and, and Nick Mitchell. The, Mizell the Williams a little bit. Mizell Williams. Uh, I do think Brennan Tolles from uh, Lafayette is – is very underrated. He, mm-hmm. I think we had a 79 ranking on him. That's way too low. Yeah. Uh, when you watch his film, and I don't think he's a four-star kid, but uh, you know he's he's an 85, 86 maybe. But that's that's MSU makes its money on those kids, right? They're, yeah. they're getting those kind of kids by, by and large, right? But the latest commitment from from Nick Mitchell, um, is that a player you like? Yeah, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I need to see a senior film. I think. He's got some athleticism to him. He makes some really good plays, um, both in the passing game and defending the run. And, uh, you know, one thing you have to consider about this Zach Arnett defense is they're going to have players playing different positions than they would be anywhere else. They're going to have some some safety types playing linebacker, some defensive end types playing linebacker. Um, So it's, you know, he's a player that I want to see some senior film on and see how much he's – He's grown as a player from last year to this year. I do know that the Mississippi State staff really likes this kid, mm-hmm. so uh, I guess we're going to be putting their evaluations on the line. We're, here. we're sort of ransom to the MSU staff evaluations this year. Right. Next year, I think it'll be a little different. We can we can maybe make some more maybe educated dis- decisions about it because we can say, okay, well, state likes him, but it doesn't seem like anybody else does. Whereas next year, like you sort of mentioned, camps for offers. 
these kids who don't have another offer, they, they might have gone and camped at Ole Miss and camped at Auburn and you know, picked up some offers here and there. Maybe not Alabama LSU offers, but offers, better right. offers, Power Five offers. Well, and and which uh, is what I look at. Another thing to consider about this class is it's an unusually down year on the defensive side, like we talked about well, yesterday. It's down in the state of Mississippi. Mississippi is yeah. Mississippi's down. Uh, we talked a little bit about that yesterday, and, and you know Ty Cooper would normally be a middle of the pack guy in in the state of Mississippi. He's probably your top defensive line guy. Yeah, um, they're going to have to uh, really push for MJ Daniels, uh, who we saw. He had some fun with us yesterday. Yeah, he's he's been having fun with with uh, people so far during the recruiting process. But you know he he's a talented player, but I don't think he's an elite guy. And on defense normally in the state of Mississippi so the, you know there's some there there's some guys that normally would be middle of the pack that are you know towards the top of the list in the state of Mississippi this year that this staff you know might not value as much as they do some of these out-of-state kids and they're getting into Georgia and Texas and Florida I mean yeah you can't really argue with that right now because those are talent-rich states so you're going with um you know some tradition there with with some of those states and getting a little bit of a footing in there. We'll do a couple of big-picture recruiting questions. <clears throat> is, is State done at receiver unless Deion Smith wants to flip? Yeah, I think so, unless you get you know a, a difference maker like Deion Smith. I mean, you got you got some really good guys in the class right mm-hmm. now. Or if uh, you know something happens to one of those guys and they go somewhere else, you know, say Malik Neighbors gets an offer from LSU or mm-hmm. something. Is but, Canarius um, Johnson the first call there probably? You know, I I would. I think he's a I think he's a really talented guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of liked him actually a little more than than Jacoby Moore, the kid that they got committed. Uh, but I don't think he could have gone wrong with either one of those guys. They're both really talented. But you know, th- they're in such a great position right now at receiver with yeah. the guys they have. All all four of them, or however I think that's how many they have right now. Yeah, all four of those guys are really talented receivers. And um, uh, you know, I think, but I think any of them are are, are are potential guys that could come in and play in this offense. I don't know how much he'll play next year, but this is a kid you see a lot of, is Amari and Howard over at Startville High. Do you do you like him in the Mike Leach offense? You know that that's interesting because I do think he has the ability to get out of the backfield and 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 catch the ball and make some plays in space, but he's not a great fit for this particular offense. Um, I haven't heard any rumblings of them being, you know, considering going somewhere else with him and and, and dropping his commitment or anything like that. I think that they're hundred percent in on on keeping him in the class. But I think you know I don't I don't expect them to get anybody else in the class either at running back. But he's just a better fit. I th- I feel like it's an, you know the traditional spread offense as a blocking back or you know even as a bruiser mm-hmm. type guy. But uh, you know, you never know. You know I, I think that he he's he's probably going to have to slim up a little bit to be a receiver in this offense. Uh, but it, it's just one of those th- things they're just going to have to wait and see when he gets on campus and see how he fits. Uh, let me see a couple more questions here. Deion Smith, would, any chance? Well, what are your what are your odds for flip there? I don't know. You know, I've heard a lot of people mention that they feel like he he might end up being a part of this class. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I you know, it, it was interesting to me. Paul Jones and I were talking about this the other day. They had t- 
twenty plus recruits on campus yeah. at LSU last week. Yeah, and he wasn't one of them. Almost their entire class was there, but not him. Yeah, um, I thought that was at least somewhat interesting. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know the the, the prospects of, of staying in Mississippi, and now now you have a legit passing offense to sell him. Mm-hmm. When it, when you had Moorhead, there wasn't a whole lot of numbers there to sell right. to that kid. You have a legit passing offense now to sell him, and um, you know he's got some some people around him that um, are, are Mississippi State people. I guess you could say he's got some influence around him. I'm not saying Mississippi State's cheating, like. Right, some people automatically jump to, but right. he's he's had enough influence influence around him. He knows what Mississippi State's about. Yeah, uh, coming from Provine, that's been a pretty Mississippi State friendly place. A couple more flip candidates: Kadarius Callaway and uh, Justin Wally. How how would you rank them? I feel really good about Mississippi State's chances of getting Callaway, which um, is crazy. Yeah, well. I mean, here's the thing. Like, I I always thought that, that was a little more knee jerk on, on his part mm-hmm. to to flip to Alabama at the time. Um, Mississippi State's a really good fit for him, and I, and I I don't know what Alabama's plans are there, but they could easily get someone of yeah. his caliber out there. He is going to be a priority to Mississippi State, and he's playing time is there at Mississippi State. I feel like they're really pushing that angle with him, and uh, you know, come to Mississippi State play with. With Tulu Griffin, who is also from Philadelphia, so uh, I, it would not shock me in the least to see him jump back in the class at some point. What about Wally? That that's another guy that has the connections here mm-hmm. with his brother already on campus. Uh, if committed it, to Minnesota, yeah, I, I don't see that sticking at all. Um, it, it would be a, it would be a huge surprise if he ended up if he ended up recruiting there or uh, signing there. But that, that goes back to what we were talking about and how weird this season is. You're seeing so many kids commit to schools that they've never visited. Right. And Mississippi State's got a ton of them yeah. right now. Um, so, you know, the fact that he's never been there, I think that's going to play a factor when it when it comes down to the nitty-gritty and he's, he's really making that decision where he's about to sign the papers. Um, I, I do think Mississippi State's going to come back in the picture in a big way. On the other side of that coin, for guys you worry about leaving the classes, Malik Neighbors number one on that list. Yeah, he'd be one of the guys just because you know when LSU calls, you, you can't say no. I, I I don't think he's a he's just a tremendous priority for them at all. Mm-hmm. But you always worry about that with Louisiana guys, right? Uh, I remember worry, I remember fans worrying about. Cam Dantzler mm-hmm. with LSU just because they Jack were Prescott. Yeah, you know Keith Mixon with Alabama. Yeah. Um anytime, you know, somebody of that caliber comes calling, you got to worry, but mm-hmm. right now there's no cause of concern for him and you know, looking at the rest of the the commit list, I don't see a whole lot of guys that I would say I would be worried about as far as a flips concerned. MJ Daniels, if you had to call it I said, put your crystal ball in today. Oh gosh, I, I don't have a clue. <laughs> I can't call it with that kid. <coughs> we said last night we were talking. Um, starts out and he's committed to Ole Miss. Yeah. Well, Mississippi State's in the picture with him, and he and, and you start hearing these rumblings about Mississippi State, and so he decommits. So your first thought is, well, he's going to commit to Mississippi State. Well, then he puts out a top five or whatever it was, and Mississippi State's not in it. Then he puts out another top five, and Mississippi State's in it, or right. top four. And then he announces shortly after that that uh, he was getting ready to commit. And 
the two schools that he was considered committing to was State and Arkansas. And Who was not in the previous Arkansas top was five. not even in his top yeah. five. Yeah. So I, I don't know what the kid's going to do because last night he comes out and says he's committing on Friday and then changes it a couple hours later and says he's going to commit in December. Right. So uh, it's just one of those. It's just one of those deals. I don't have a problem with that. <clears throat> you know, if you enjoy the recruiting process, you only get one. But at the same time, don't waste my time. You know. Yeah. It, you know, as long as he's not committing and decommitting and yeah. doing that over and over. Right. More more than one decommitment is a problem. Yeah. That, those are the kids I always think, I don't know that they're going to work out. I've got a running list that I've made at my house. Oh, yeah? Of kids that have, Double have been. Well, not just that, that have been like major like game players. Yeah. The, the kids that have come out and been, you know, decommitments and – um, playing games and vi- official visits and where they end up in college. I- I've got a running running tally of that. Mississippi kids. One last question. <coughs> next guy to commit. Who do you? Who, if you had to put put down the, uh, some money on that, who's the next guy to to pledge Maroon and White? I think Ty Cooper's a guy to watch. Now, you know, I've heard a lot of th- a lot of things trending towards Ole Miss in that regard, but he would be one of the guys that I would say that could be pretty close. Now, I- I'm. Admittedly, I don't cover as much high school football recruiting anymore. That's Paul and, and Steve's deal. But um, just just from what I've been able to to read on what those guys are posting, and you know, talking to people around the state, it, Ty, Ty is one of those that that could pop at some point. And I, you know, I would say that I would lean towards Mississippi State, but I think Ole Miss is very much in it with him. Okay. We'll see what happens. It's been an interesting recruiting year for sure. All right. Joel will be back with me on Sunday. So, Robbie, thanks for your time. We appreciate you coming in and holding out. You were the closer. You closed us out. You get coffee. You can have coffee if you well, want. Well, I just, I mean, I don't drink coffee, but I'm always here for my friends. There you go. So, uh, guys, have a great weekend. And Joel and I will be back with you on Sunday as we get even closer to game week for Robbie Falk. I'm not even going to do it. All right, then. I'm Brian Adad. Thanks for listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Mississippi Media Production.